Broken crayons. Broken crayons. Broken crayons still color. This is the Broken Crayons Still Color Podcast with your host, Shelly Hitz. Each episode contains an inspiring story of hope and healing in Christ. Many times, what we see as our biggest regrets, failures, and mistakes become what God uses the most in our lives. God is able to transform our brokenness into something more beautiful than we can even imagine. He takes our mess and creates a masterpiece. You see, broken crayons still color. Welcome back to the Broken Crayon Still Color Podcast. I'm your host, Shelly Hitz, and today's guest is Wanda Carver. Welcome, Wanda. Thank you. It's so good to be with you today. Yes, and just to get started, I'm going to share a little bit about you, and then we will dive in to your story. But Wanda lost her 41-year-old brother from a massive heart attack. And, you know, that really hits home, Wanda, because I'm 41 right now. (laughs) And I'm thinking, wow, that's, you know, feels young. But, um, you know, they were two years apart and extremely close. To make matters worse, their mother was dying of lung cancer, and they knew she only had months to live. The day before her brother's funeral, she was at the brink of losing total control, but the Holy Spirit came in an almost tangible way, and she truly learned the meaning of the peace that passes all understanding. It helped her to get through his funeral, as well as the passing of her mother and her father shortly after. So she will share her story in today's podcast. So to get started, Wanda, just share a little bit about what the broken crayons in your life looked like during this season. Well, um, my father was an alcoholic, and so that had always been a point of stress for the family. But my mother was an amazing woman of faith. Yeah. And, um, and my brother and I, uh, like I said, we're just two years apart, but... When we were children, we lived on a farm, and I think maybe our closeness was partially as a result of there weren't any other children close by, and he and I just grew up depending on one another for everything. Uh, We were best friends, and that continued. Uh, We double-dated as teenagers and uh, just shared all of our experiences, and uh, there were memories uh, that I shared with Billy that... No one else, even our parents, were aware of. And uh, so uh, when when I got uh, the call, I got a call on a Sunday afternoon from my mother. And I was a teacher. It was the day before uh, school was to start up for the fall. Oh, wow. And uh, I got a call from mom saying that um, she had been diagnosed with lung cancer. Oh, man. She had been coughing for about a year, but had dismissed it because our family has a history of bronchitis, and she just ignored it, thinking that was it and it would pass until she passed out at work one day. Oh, wow. And um, so anyway, when she called, and it was 1995, uh, lung cancer was pretty much, it was pretty much a a death knell uh, at that time, and um so my first inclination was to run to Michigan where, where she lived, but she assured me that I needed to start school the next day and she would probably need me later. There was nothing I could do at this point. Well, uh, eventually it wasn't too much longer, a few months till they did surgery on mom to remove her lung. I was there for that. Uh, 
but when they got in, the surgery went fine, but the cancer had already spread to the other lung. Oh, wow. And so they were going to, to begin an aggressive um, series of chemo treatments. And then in June, I went to Michigan to visit. I was making frequent trips back and forth. Uh, so this had been a, uh, almost a year since her diagnosis and gone through surgery and chemo. And in June, I went up there for a visit, spent a lot of time with my brother. He and I had a really good time. And two weeks later, I got the call from my sister-in-law that he had just died of a massive heart attack at home. Wow. Um, and he had two little boys, 10 and 6. And uh, I was devastated. Mm. Uh, mom, Mom's was hard to know that she had cancer and would probably not make it. But you expect that, that your parents are going to precede you in death. Uh, and this was my younger brother. And... Uh, but anyway, we got, I got there realizing I was going to have to help my, my parents uh, get through all this. They had so much already on them. And we were sitting around the kitchen table the morning of before his funeral. And all of a sudden, it was like something was welling up in me. It was like I was gonna, there was going to be an eruption. I didn't know what it was going to be, but I wow. knew I had to to get out of there and I went down in the basement and something came out of me that was for lack of a better term sort of an eight what I would think an alien sound would be I had never had anything like that come out of me or even hear anything like that and I cried out to God but I didn't have the words to verbalize my pain and Romans 8.26 came back to me. The Spirit also joins to help us in our weakness because we do not know what to pray for as we should, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with unspoken groanings. Mm. And it was the closest I've ever come to a, to a visual experience with God himself in, in the form of the Holy Spirit. But he was he was almost there tangibly, and he washed over me. Um, and all of a sudden, I understood, I think for the first time fully, what that peace that passes all understanding is about. And there were still tears, but the agony was gone. Wow. Um, and... I began to pour things out to the Lord verbally at that point because he reminded me of the moment of, of Billy's salvation, and I was there with him at that time. And all kinds of other sweet memories that we shared. And my tears became tears of relief and joy because I knew we would be reunited. Yeah. And... Um, so the Lord held me up through the rest of that, and uh, I was able to go back up those steps in a whole different, uh, whole different mindset than when I went down them, and I was able to help my family through it all. But we still knew things were not looking good for Mom, and um, so I went 
back home after the funeral, and uh, I got the call that the doctors could do nothing else but to try to keep mom comfortable. There was no hope, and it was December, and um, I went. I went to Detroit the day after Christmas, and mom was in the hospital, and uh, I stayed there with her. I, I they set me up a cot, and I stayed with her, and uh, we shared all kinds of, of things and uh, talked about the Lord, and she was ready. That was not, um, that was not a concern, but um, she died in the morning of the 29th. I, I got my dad and brought him to the hospital, and he kissed her dead body and told her he loved her and then he told me that my sister and I would have to take care of funeral arrangements he just couldn't so we took care of all the arrangements and then the morning of her funeral dad was not getting up and I wow. I said dad we've got to get ready for the funeral and he said I can't do it and from the looks of him I didn't think he physically could and he said you're going to have to go on your own and um, and we did, and uh, I stayed for a few days to help take care of Dad, and, and he wanted my sister and I to go through her personal effects and, and uh, take care of things. I drove, my husband and, and children and I, we drove back to Tennessee, and in less than 24 hours, I got the call that my father was dead. Wow. It was exactly one week after Mom had passed, hmm. and um, my sister just found him in his bed uh, early one morning, and, and uh, he had died sometime during the night. But so I drove back to Michigan, and at this point, I realized part of it was probably just exhaustion. But oh yeah, uh, we went through the funeral and so forth, and and then. We had to deal with lawyers because of, of you know, the the wills and um, and all. And so we had to go through all that while I was still there. But on the way home, we stopped at a restaurant for lunch. And all of a sudden, I started laughing. And at first, my family was laughing with me. And they were looking around at what was so funny. And they were asking, <laughs> and they were asking me what was so funny. And I couldn't stop laughing to answer them and my laughter kept going and it was getting louder and louder and they were telling me I needed to be quiet and I couldn't and everyone in the restaurant was was looking at me and my husband realized I was in a state of hysteria oh wow and uh, he threw some money down to pay the bill and got me out of there oh no and um uh, was shaking me and hollering my name, and nothing was happening, and my sweet, gentle husband slapped me, <laughs> and I know that was hard for him to do. Wow. And the the laughter became tears, and hysteria, according to the dictionary, is a perversion of, of our sens sensory functions. Oh, yeah. And so it was what would be acceptable 
the acceptable emotion would be tears, but it was perverted into laughter. And after he slapped me, I, I guess I cried for another half an hour or longer. But afterwards, relief came. I felt better. Um, and, you know, that was, that was the, sort of the beginning of healing. And it wasn't Dad's death. I think it was the accumulation yeah. of the loss. Yeah, you know, and... Um, you know, they, they often say that when you have deep, deep hurts or, you know, um, you're grieving deeply and, you know, if you, if you try to hold that emotion in, it's going to impact you. And I remember my dad was assaulted and he was in a coma. We didn't know if he was even going to wake up and I was just trying to hold it all together, I think, or I don't know. I just, you know, I was the oldest daughter. And so I remember my uncle coming to me and, and and their mother, my grandmother had been murdered. And he said, you know, for years, he never grieved his mother's death and never felt his emotions. And he ended up having, I think it was a quadruple bypass in his heart. And he had a lot of um, medical problems that they said, you know, came from him never dealing with his emotions. So in a way, it may have been a gift for you that you at least, you know, had some sort of outburst and you're, you were able to let out the emotion because, oh my goodness, so much grief, so much, you know, to deal with. And I remember when my uncle was like, Shelly, I just want to give you, you know, a word of encouragement, feel your feelings you know, cry if you need to. And I remember after we had that conversation, I went into my car and I just sobbed and sobbed and sobbed. And wow. if for the first time I cried and, you know, for the first time I grieved and my dad, you know, came out of the coma. He's now walking and talking, but he's never been the same. And so um, what would you, would you say that was kind of a turning point for you when you were finally just able to release that emotion? I would. You know, I too am the oldest, and I think sometimes we take on a lot. And yes, <laughs> I've been holding it in for everyone else. Um, and, you know, I think sometimes people think that tears are a sign of weakness, but we know they're not because Jesus wept. Right. And I think they're part of the healing process. We need to shed those tears. And uh, that was that was important for me to learn that it was, it was not only just okay for me to cry, it was necessary. Yes. Um, and, um, and so I, I think that is an important thing for people to realize. And, you know, so often we don't talk about what's normal and what's not, and, and we all grieve differently, but, you know, for the next year, I would say all of a sudden I would just have, I might be driving down the street and not even be conscious of thinking of any of my family and start crying. And I'm not typically a crier. And I would, when I would think about what brought this on, there, there might be a scent or a song playing on the radio or, yeah. you know, there's something that brought a sensory memory there that set off some tears. And, um, and like I say, it, it lasted for about a year off and on. It wasn't frequent, but that grieving process uh, does not end when the funeral's over and the right. crowd's home. 
Exactly. Yeah. And, you know, you experienced tremendous grief in a very short period of time. You know, you're very, you know, close, you know, immediate family. You know, someone who has experienced loss, deep loss in their life, what is one piece of advice or encouragement you would give to them? Now, we always, we already talked about, you know, feeling your feelings, allowing yourself to grieve, but is there something else that you would want to share with them? You know, the Lord is always waiting to share whatever experience we're going through. And when I was down in that basement that day, and the Lord met me in such a very personal, intimate way, and and brought me uh, to a, a new a new understanding and a greater relationship with Him as a result, I was reminded that God has always grown me, and I think He does most people. He grows us in the valleys, not on the mountaintops. Yes. He grows grows us in the valleys if we will turn that those hurts over to Him. And, um, you know, you don't ever hope for those hard, those hard times, but when you're on the other side and you look back, you can see reasons to, for joy. And, um, you know, Scripture says Re- rejoice in the Lord always. Well, it doesn't, uh, I don't think, mean that we are to rejoice that we're going through this hard time, but that we can rejoice because God's going through it with us. And to me, if we can just spill out our feelings to God, even if they don't sound too spiritual. Right. You know, we may be angry in the midst of it. Yes. But God, God deals with truth, and God knows the state of our hearts, our spirits, uh, better than we do. And yes. uh, and when, whenever I hit those low spots during that time, um, to just be able to say to God, I need you right now. I need that comfort. And for me, when, when I've got a sister also, but she's 17 years younger than me. So we did not share a childhood. And I can remember coming back from my dad's funeral thinking I'm nobody's little girl anymore. Yeah. I was 43. I hadn't really technically been a little girl in a long time. But you know, to your parents, you always are. And I thought, there's nobody left with whom I could share those childhood memories. And that felt like part of the grief, too. I, I, I don't know how to... Yes. Yeah, know. you know, there's there's so many facets, and I'm sure we could talk for hours more, you know, just because there's so much to grief, and there's so much that you learn and you walk through. But I just love how you said, you know, rejoice in the Lord always. And it's not rejoice in our circumstances. It's not rejoice in what you're walking through. It's not rejoice in this pain or this hardship. It's rejoice in the Lord. And we can find that joy. The joy is not the same as happiness. You know, it's not dependent on our circumstances because we can find it in him. And so I just love that you shared that. Now, someone resonated with your story or would like to contact you, how's the best way for them to find you online? Well, I am on Facebook, but I at www.wandacarver.com. 
Um, and I have written a book, Everyday Experiences with God, and this story is one of many in that because I feel like our stories honor the Lord when we can show what he's done in the midst of them. And so if they go on that site, they'll find some of the stories have been recorded, uh, just stories of how the Lord has moved, and I am grateful for that, and I, I would love to have conversations with anyone on online or otherwise. That, that would be special because I love to hear other people's stories. Amen. Well, I pray that many um, will get in touch with you, find your book, be encouraged, WandaCarver.com. And, you know, in closing, it's, you know, your story is just another example how God can turn our messes into masterpieces. So thank you so much for sharing your story today, Wanda. I really appreciate you. Thank you, Shelley. I appreciate what you're doing. This is honoring to the Lord, and I can't wait to see what all comes from it. Yes, amen. And all of you listening in, thank you for joining us today. If you or someone else you know has a powerful story to share, I would love to have you on this show. You can apply to be featured on the podcast at ShellyHits.com forward slash story. And I will see you next time. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Broken Crayons Still Color Podcast. We have a gift for you. Download Shelley's hand-drawn adult coloring pages, as well as printable scripture cards, and all the transcripts from this podcast at www.brokencrayonsbook.com. If today's story inspired you, please share it with a friend and leave us a comment on iTunes. We love hearing from you, and your encouragement means the world to us. In closing, God is the artist, and our lives are his canvas. What will you allow him to create from the broken pieces in your life? When you are in Christ, you are his masterpiece. I am a masterpiece. I am a masterpiece.